Folks, have you checked out the Irish History Podcast shop recently? Right now, I have a sale of 30% off everything when you use the code SALE30. So go to irishhistorypodcast.ie forward slash shop and get 30% off everything when you use the discount code SALE30. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ireland has some great place names. They range from the perplexing, like Schiachfostein and Kilkenny, that can be harder to read than it is to pronounce, to the somewhat scandalous Sluts End in Dublin and Bastardstown in Wexford. But what do they mean, and where do they come from? Well, each place name in Ireland has its own story, while some date back a few decades, others are the last connections we have to our very distant ancestors people far beyond the reach of written records. Now, in this podcast, we're going to set out on an unusual journey through Irish history, seeing where the place names that litter the landscape come from. But before we begin, I'll do the usual introductions. My name is Finn DeWire. This is the Irish History Podcast. And today's show is From Bastardstown to Slut's End, A History of Irish Place Names. Now this week's show was supposed to be my episode on World War II diets. I've been talking about releasing that show for nearly a month and it's still not ready. It's not actually that complicated but I am spending most of my time working on my upcoming series that will drop in mid-June. That'll have nine episodes in five weeks, two shows a week and as I said in last week's episode I am finishing the entire series before I released the first podcast in it. So it's creating a little bit of a bottleneck in terms of production. But it is shaping up really well. I have traditional Irish musicians on board now for a soundtrack. Aidan and Therese, who you'll know from the War of Independence, are going to be doing narrations. And I have a full series of interviews with leading historians to give you expert analysis on the story. What is that story? Well, you're just going to have to wait a week or two until the trailer is released. Finally, I want to say thank you to all the show patrons. I know the show has been a little intermittent in recent weeks and you have been super patient, but rest assured I am working on that series and I'm pretty sure it'll be worth it. Now to the history of place names. And I want to start with the oldest names. These are the ones I find most interesting, that somehow through all the numerous invasions and conquests in Irish history, they've managed to survive. I think for fans of history like you and me, we often find ourselves wondering maybe what a place looked like in the distant past. And sometimes it's the place names that can give us a peek into a landscape thousands of years ago. 
You see, Ireland is unusual in that townlands, the smallest geographical divisions on the island, in some cases date from prehistory. Now it's incredible that these have managed to survive the numerous redrawings of maps in Ireland, but these townlands, over 60,000 in total, have remained the building block of territorial units from medieval kingdoms to modern counties, and their names can be a connection to the distant past. So for example, not far from where I'm recording this right now is a place called Dunmore East, which lots of you will be familiar with. It's famous today for its beach and each year thousands of people flock there. It's also well known as a fishing port. Now if you venture down to the harbour today there's a plaque explaining the history of the current settlement which basically goes back to the early 19th century. However the name Dunmore betrays a much older history, one that predates the town and probably even all history books and records. Indeed nothing at all survives in the landscape from this original settlement. But its name, comprised of two words, Dun and Moor, indicates that in the early medieval period, if not before, there was a large fort in the area. And we know this was probably located away from where the town is today. Well, nothing might remain of that fort in the 21st century. It's pretty remarkable that maybe 2,000 years after these people lived, the name they gave the locality, Dunmore, is still used by people today. That's not a bad achievement. You'd wonder will people remember anything we do in 2,000 years time. Now many of the townlands that I mentioned there also record what the landscape looked like way back before humans would have transformed it. So in the episode on the history of trees, I did mention that place names that contain the word quill, sometimes pronounced kull or even kill, indicate that there was once a forest in that locality. Dysert is another word that gives us an insight into what our local landscapes might have looked like thousands of years ago. The word Dysert comes from an Irish word meaning wilderness of one kind or another and refers to a time probably when the entire island wasn't under the plough so you would have had areas that were a wilderness. Now while many townlands date well back into the early medieval period, each generation or society since then that has dominated Ireland has left a mark through place names. For example, the place name Loud is named after a pagan god, the Lu. However, the arrival of Christianity from around the 5th century onwards left a much stronger imprint on the landscape. Places like Killeigh, close to Dunmore East, where we started off the show, is a good example of this. Kill derives from the Irish word for church. So Killeigh means the church of A. Again, it's pretty remarkable that someone's name has survived that long. We're talking about maybe 1500 years here. But there are many others in the Irish landscape similar to this. So for example, Kilkenny means the Church of Canis. And even though the Normans built the major buildings in the town, without ever setting foot in the place, the name Kilkenny indicates a much older history given we know St Canis died around the year 600. For me though, it's the Scandinavian names that can be some of the most fascinating. Between the year 800 and around, say, 1050, Viking raiders and traders played a really significant role in Irish society. One of their enduring legacies is Irish place names. The name of the city of Waterford, about 10 miles inland from Dunmore East, is not Irish in origin at all, but instead comes from Old Norse. You'll probably have heard of the Scandinavian term fjord before, and that's where the ford in Waterford comes from. 
the name of the town of Wexford has a very similar origin. It too comes from the old Norse word fjord, or in its case it's Wiesfjord, meaning the ford of the mudflats. Wicklow is another Scandinavian name. Wick is the old Norse for bay, and this actually highlights the surprising origins of where the Kerry town of Smerwick comes from. You see, traditionally it was thought that Viking settlements in Ireland were concentrated on the south and east coast. But the fact that Smerwick derives its name from Old Norse certainly challenges this traditional understanding of our history. Another name in this vein is Jersey Island in Cork, which comes from the Old Norse words for the Island of the Bull. Now, as a general rule of thumb, these older place names tend to record more general themes of history rather than maybe specific incidents. For example, Waterford tells us very little about what the Vikings were actually doing here in the 10th century. But as we move forward through history, place names start to record some specific details about chapters from the past as we can link them up with historic sources as well. Now, in this instance, I want to stay in Waterford as well. And if you travel from Dunmore East to Waterford City, you pass through an area called Galtira. Now, this is almost French sounding. And when you see it written down, it's spelled G-A-U-L-T-I-E-R. You'll be forgiven for thinking it was perhaps French in origin. This name, however, records a very specific incident in the history of this part of the world. In the summer of 1170, the Norman conquest of Ireland began in earnest here in Waterford. This saw Strongbow land an army of 1,200 men at Passage East and then two days later, they sacked the city. Now, Galtira means land of the foreigners and according to local folklore supported by historical records, it comes from a specific incident that saw the Normans expel the descendants of the Vikings who had founded Waterford from the city. These descendants of the Vikings were given lands outside the city and it makes sense that this territory would have been dubbed the land of the foreigners by the Gaelic Irish. There are a few places in Ireland with similar names but slightly different histories. Fingal to the north of Dublin means more or less the same thing, the territory of the foreigners. And in this instance it's evidence that the Vikings of Dublin had control of a large tract of land around the city. This is also supported by the Scandinavian place names such as Leakslip in North Kildare. These place names again challenged some traditional ideas that Viking Dublin was just a city-state with little territory around it. Now the story of place names becomes more complicated as we move through the centuries towards the present day. The Norman invasion witnessed a huge transfer of land from the traditional Gaelic Irish families to the Norman invaders and they started to rename the landscape. Some of these were very generic and could really have originated at any point in the last eight centuries. So for example there are several places called Newcastle. They're not named after Newcastle in England but rather a Norman lacking imagination called his Newcastle, well Newcastle. Others, though, are more interesting and flesh out the picture of what Norman Ireland looked like. For example, there are numerous Flemings towns named after Flemish settlers who moved to Ireland after the invasion. The most famous of their number was, of course, the Kittler family in Kilkenny and Alice Kittler, who was at the centre of the famous witchcraft trial of 1324. Lombard's town in Cork, again, is a similar place name, recording the presence of settlers from Lombardy in Italy. 
I always thought that Tootenhill outside Dublin might have a similar origin, deriving from some Germanic connection, but this one is actually the anglicised Balian Teutonic, meaning the burnt hill. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It was in the late Middle Ages, around this period that I'm talking about now, that I mentioned at the top of the show comes into play. While the Normans have been called a lot worse than bastards over the last eight or so centuries, it appears that this Wexford place name takes its name from a very unfortunately named Norman family. The bastards probably pronounced bastard, or at least that's what they tell you. Now, one of the most unusual names along this line dates from a slightly different period though, is Bilbo in Kilkenny. There's actually another town of the same name in County Limerick and they're apparently named after the Basque capital, Bilbao, and given both communities where they're located have strong mining traditions, coal in Kilkenny and copper in Limerick, it may represent the presence of Basque miners who came to work in the local mines. Now I'm starting to drift a bit off our journey through Irish history here, so I'm going to get back on track with the Normans. It was during the late Middle Ages that we see some of the first place names that were named after prominent settlers emerge in Ireland. So there's several butler's towns, presumably named after the butler family who arrived around 1200. Costello in Mayo is named after the Costellos, another Norman family. Now the overall spread of Norman names, actually Costello is a bad example here, so forget that one, but the overall spread of Norman names in Ireland tends to usually reflect the spread of Norman settlers on the island, so they're most prevalent in the east and then less so in the west. But as we did see with Smurrick earlier on, sometimes a place name can throw up something we might not expect in history. While Norman aristocrats were in the habit of naming places after themselves, many street names in Irish cities also date from this period and can reveal fascinating aspects of history. While it might sound counterintuitive to us today, traders in the Middle Ages, in the same line of business, tended to congregate in the same streets. Therefore, from the street names in these cities today, we can get a sense of what they would have looked like five, six, seven hundred years ago, and what their original history was. So, for example, in Dublin, while Cook Street no longer has cooks, Fishamble Street no longer has fishmongers, and Wine Tyburn Street doesn't even have a single pub, we get a sense of what they must have looked like in the medieval period from their names. There are other streets and place names that are named after the trades that were at one time or another plied along them. Some, but not all, love lanes referred to places where sex workers, for example, could be found. 
Unsurprisingly, these are often located near military barracks. I've heard it said that the North Dublin Townland Sluts End, yes, that is a place. You want to be careful though if you're going to Google it. But anyway, I have heard that that has a similar origin to the Love Lanes, that it was a place where sex workers plied their trade. But that said, I came across a 1920 history of Dublin and this argued that it's actually a corruption of the term slough and if anyone has a definitive answer on this, get in touch and let me know. A few centuries after the Norman invasion, another huge change in Irish place names took place in the early modern period. Now when historians talk about the early modern period, we're generally referring to the plantations of the late 16th and 17th centuries, when large amounts of new settlers arrived in Ireland. Here I'm talking about the Elizabethans, maybe true to the Cromwellians and afterwards. They, like every generation before them, left their mark on Irish society. In some cases, the colonisers obliterated the memory of the people they were dispossessing and reforged the landscape and its names in their own image. So, for example, the town of Virginia in County Cavan, like the US state of the same name, was named after Queen Elizabeth I, known as the Virgin Queen. Indeed, even before Elizabeth, her sister, Queen Mary, and her husband, Philip, got in on the action. They were the reigning monarchs during the Leash Offaly Plantation and had towns named in their honour, Maryborough and Philipstown. I'm going to come back to them later in the show. In a similar fashion, we can find the Cromwellian settlers who arrived in Ireland in the 1650s, renaming the landscape of West Tipperary. Cully Castle near Newport, for example, originally named after the Irish word quill for tree or forest, was changed to Castle Waller after the Waller family who had been granted lands in the locality. A few years later, Port Arlington was named after the Arlington family. However, we also get examples where some of the old names are modified. Derry, for example, became London Derry, although this is a name that remains contested right up to the present day. Indeed, you can tell a lot about someone's understanding and perspective on Irish politics and politics in the north of Ireland by their use of the name Derry or Londonderry. By the 19th century, many Irish place names that we recognise in the landscape today had come into existence. However, they're still constantly changing. Given each wave of Irish history left their mark on the island's place names, the revolutionary generation were going to be no different. In the late 19th and early 20th century, we see a raft of new names or in some cases old names, come back in. This reflected the growing power of Irish nationalists who wanted Irish towns and cities to have Irish names. Perhaps the most famous example of this was the renaming of the ports of Queenstown and Kingstown outside Cork and Dublin respectively. Both ports were renamed. Queenstown was changed to Cove, Kingstown to Dunleary after their older Irish names. In 1899, Parsonstown and Offaly named after the Earls of Ross, the Parsons family, was changed to Burr. In County Leash and Offaly, Maryborough and Phillipstown, which we heard about earlier in the show, were renamed Port Leash and Dangan. While many towns changed their name, hundreds if not thousands of streets and landmarks were also renamed before and after independence, reflecting what was a new era in Irish politics. Sackville Street became O'Connell Street, Kingsbridge Station in Dublin was renamed Houston Station after the 1916 leader, Sean Houston. Indeed, several Irish train stations were renamed after Republican leaders. McDonough Station in Kilkenny or Kent Station in Tralee are good examples. 
Catholicism has also had an influence on modern place names in Ireland, unsurprisingly. Here I'm thinking of Father Matthew, the 19th century priest who led a campaign for abstinence who pops up in many Irish towns. Yet still many of the older imperial place names do survive in Ireland today. Victoria Road in Cork, for example, is named after Queen Victoria. More obscure figures probably have a better chance of survival in place names, given people are often less aware of who they are. An example of this is Heathsbury Street in Dublin, presumably named after Baron Heathsbury, the Lord Lieutenant of Ireland during the first two years of the famine, who is today a pretty obscure figure. Indeed, older imperial names are actually more common than perhaps more controversial Irish figures who you might think would feature more prominently. Places named after the two leading Republican figures from the War of Independence, Michael Collins and Eamon de Valera, are not near Dublin city centre. In fact, de Valera doesn't have a street at all. There is a place in Donegal named after him, while Collins Avenue in Dublin is out on the north side of the city. Now, in recent years, the choice of place names has moved on to reflect the changing nature of Irish society in the 21st century. The most recent bridge over the River Liffey was named in 2014, and public debates around the choice of this name raised the fact that place names in Ireland rarely are named after women. In light of this, the new bridge was named after the trade unionist and revolutionary Rosie Hackett. So that's the end of the Whistle Stop Tour through thousands of years of Irish place names. I'm going to get back to finishing that new series and next week hopefully I'll have that show on World War II diets. They say third time is lucky and I'm pretty sure this is the third time I've promised to release this show. So until then, Sloan. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.